I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Supercoach Report. It's Lakey here, and I'm your host for this evening. Uh, Juzzy has abandoned all of us. He's, you know, prioritized work this week, go figure. So out and about. Um, but I'm not alone. I've got uh, Alex here with me to go through the ins and outs of Teamless Tuesday. How are you doing, champ? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I, I figure my new name will be Mr. Depth with my 17 active players running into charge this week. So, no, Jesus. I'm happy to be here. I, I heard a different story on uh, JT, though. I heard he just didn't want to reveal his rank. Yeah, that's probably fair. We uh, all jumped up a little bit, or I sort of closed the gap on him. He's still well ahead of me. But, no, he's um, working hard. Someone's got to pay for all his dog's Instagram costumes and all that sort of shit <laughs> so he's out there doing running errands um we got a big one ahead of us teamless tuesday obviously dropped today uh there's a fair few big names that aren't included in these teams this week so we'll go through all those ones uh have a look ahead to some uh potential super coach guys coming back we've got some start sit options as we've been doing the last couple of weeks and then we're going to go through a couple of uh the the strength of schedule for the closing of the um the last four weeks finals started last week i know a lot of people have um either been knocked out or, or hopefully still alive in those ones but we're having a look at the who's got the best runs or the worst runs heading across the next couple of rounds and who you can get a leg up on in that way so uh First of all, Al, how did you go last week? I know you, we were talking on the pod last weekend about who to replace Cleary with. Uh, you had a bit of a hiccup. Yeah, oh, I, I still stand by that it wasn't a bad trade-in. Um, it's just unlucky with Jerome Hughes, 33 points, uh, but only played half a game of football. Mm-hmm. In that time, who knows what could have happened. He, I was expecting him to come out in that second half and get a hat-trick, but... No, it wasn't meant to be. I'm pretty sure he still scored more than Cherry Evans and you know a few of the other people that were uh, in contention for that uh, re- Cleary replacement. So, you know, it's not the end of the world and it's not the worst injury news with him only being out maybe one to two weeks. Uh, so, yeah, like, like I said, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad trade and just a bit unlucky. But overall last week I got 14.58, uh, which was enough to see me go through in six of the seven uh, you know, cashies I'm in. And the one uh, one game I have to play this week is against uh, the big Villi Army, the uh, Tim Moody. Oh, so that should be a walk in the park for you, then, eh? Yeah, well, if, as long as he's scoring like he has the last few weeks, I'll be fine. You now that uh, saw me go up to two hundred and eighty fourth overall, so up about eighty spots. So you're climbing back up the ladder. That's good. Uh, regular podcast listeners will remember this one from last week too. I'm willing to go a stake, but if you're gonna, you know. Put your stake into Jerome Hughes. I'll go DC averages 
five more points than him for the rest of the year. You and Juzzy made the state bet last week. Um, the funniest thing, as you mentioned, you're still up. You, you've outscored DC by one point so far um, with Jerome Hughes' move. Yeah, so I'd say the only fair way to go about it would be to double Hughes' points because he only played half a game of football, and then we'll see what DC does from here after his big what, 32 points last round. Yeah, I'll, let you, guys, I'll let you guys discuss that one. I'm, I'll stay well out of it. But, <laughs> um, you must be getting a bit short on trades now. Uh, look, it's not zero, uh, but it's it's one more than that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm, well, I'm running with 17 players this round, so hopefully they're all in and no late changes. And yeah, if if I'm out any, I'm either running 16, 15 players or running into the last three rounds with no trades. Listen, man, I don't think you're going to be alone on that one, and especially with some of the outs we've got ahead of us in the team lists. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to give a shout out to our NRL Supercoach Talk group. Um, plenty of people playing in that one. And as we mentioned at the start of the year, whoever takes out top billing in that um, will win themselves a 2022 championship ring courtesy of uh, supercoachchampion.com. It's a beautiful looking ring. We've got that all lined up to send out. Uh, first place at the moment is being held by, and I'll probably um, bungle this, but Chi-Chi Mungers being coached by Ryan. He's got a 150-point lead on the rest of the pack, but there's a few rounds to go. Anything can happen, and as we said, uh, big rounds can really make movings in that one. So I'll be keeping an eye on that one, and I'll be in touch with the winners in the next couple of weeks. Um, round 21 just gone and sort of leading into our round 22 news anything that caught your eye across that weekend oh i think um the big one for myself was munster again proving that if he's in fullback he could be the best fullback in the whole comp he's definitely in contention for it he just doesn't even play in the position yeah, correct. Um, you know plays one uh, that's his first start of fullback since i think it was round one 2018 or something like that and casually scores a hat trick and you know almost 150 super coach points it was enough for me to loop, um, which saw me lose five points to Latrell. But yeah, no, he's just he, he is a freak back there, and I'm a bit upset he's gone back to five eight this week. But you know, we'll talk more about that as uh, as we go through the TLT section. How much um, how much weight are we putting on the fact that he played the Titans in that score? Uh, there, there's every chance that he could have scored more because the Titans actually concede the most points to five eights in the comp, I believe. Um, yeah, look, it, it does. He, he's capable of hitting those scores regardless of position, but just the fact that he was able to slot into a position he hasn't played in, you know, almost about four years, over four years, uh, and do it so easily and so dominantly is just ridiculous. Yeah, the man's a freak. He's an absolute freak. That show and go that he has is one of the best I've seen. I haven't seen anyone do it um, that good since Thurston was in his prime, running terrors on the New South Wales Origin team. Seemed to do it every game. But, yeah, he, he was a freak. For me, it, um, it was uh, Dylan Brown. And you say we spoke about him last week and how much I love him and whatnot, but he played without Moses for the first time this year and punched out nearly a ton. Um, I thought early on the Parramatta side was going to go down. Manly seemed to have their number early on, but they just kept ticking away and and – um, ground it back and, and eventually ran away with it. And I thought Dylan Brown was huge in that game. He gets another week uh, by himself. When I say by himself, he's got Jacob Arthur next to him who contributed but wasn't 
overcalling him by any stretch of the imagination. So I think he's in for a big couple of weeks running the show there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a Dylan Brown owner, so I loved every second of it. And to think how close he was to getting, you know, 130, 140. He had that one try, that that one solo try we ran through, you know, from about halfway. Um, but he had three uh, try contributions as well. And, and we don't know how easily that can turn into a try assist, you know, given one extra pass or, or you know, any, any other play like that. So, I mean, there's every chance that that could have very easily been 140 plus 130. So, yeah, he, he's an absolute gun and... Bloody happy to have him in my team. Right. That's how uh, Gutho ended up with the 127, isn't it? He just kept uh, pinching points off Dylan Brown on those fullback sweeps. But anyway, we digress. Hopefully they can fix that up and really give it to the guys who can um, set the plays up. Looking ahead <laughs> to round 22 TLT, um, as I said, some big names either out or back in. Um Anybody that you were particularly surprised with coming out of that team list? Yeah, I'm actually surprised Maddo got named um, after last week and his history with HAAs. I really didn't expect them to, you know, risk him again after, yeah, like that history. And and I I didn't actually notice him get the HIA last week. I thought he just went off um, because they were winning. Uh, It wasn't until after the game when someone told me that it was a HIA. So I was actually a bit shocked about that. And then I saw the tackle on uh i saw him his head hit the ground on replay after the game and yeah he actually got up a bit dazed and judging by what happened before he could be out he could be playing this week he could be out till you know 2024 yeah exactly right let's say with his history they're going to take the cautious approach surely um but depending on how like they've, they've given him every chance they've named him they'll give him up until kickoff or, or whatever else but if there's any lingering effects which is every chance with Maddo and the way he's gone then he'll be a late out so hopefully people have got uh, some depth hopefully you don't have him in your team Al because you'll be up Shits Creek no not Maddo thankfully uh, yeah but I still think I'm up Shits Creek regardless <laughs> that's all right we'll figure it out for you mate if I can sell you a trade or two I'll do that for 50k um <laughs> So some of the biggest names, we'll go through these a little bit team by team. Uh, I'll skip over the ones that don't really have any major changes. Um, Dogs and Tigers, I'm sort of looking at those sorts of teams. They're not doing too much. The Tigers themselves, the biggest uh, super coach relevant move is the forwards shuffle. So Fanua Pole is back onto the bench. Joe Hoffengawe goes back to lock where he's been killing it all year. So that's huge news for any Hoffengawe managers. Um, but he scored a 76 last week uh, in a side beaten by so, uh, 2023 Premiership threat, the Knights. And um, listen, he still put up a pretty decent score playing out of position. So I think I don't think the move to lock really affects him too much. Yeah, like it, I, I see him playing a similar role, um, but yeah, I think his points do go up at that lock position. Uh, he, he is more prone to attacking stats, so that's what I'd be more worried about. Because when he was on that run where he was averaging like eighty to ninety for those five rounds, he was getting attacking stats every week, and that was in that lock position. And when he went to to prop, he was still getting close to those scores, but that was almost all in base. So yeah, look, uh, Sharks are a great defensive team, so I, I'm not necessarily worried about him this week um but you know he he's still very likely to average 70 plus for the run home yeah someone i'm regretting not being on one of many i should say um the 
Big ones, <laughs> big ones this week. Uh, Joe Tarpany is out. He failed to finish last weekend with rib complaint. Um, I don't know if it's fractured or it's um, just a rib cartilage issue, but he came off and he looked in a lot of pain um, leaving the field on Saturday afternoon. He's been rested this week with the thoughts of getting him back next week, but I know these things can linger a little bit. Um, you've been trolling the net this afternoon. Any any word how bad it is? Is there any thoughts on how long he's going to be out? No, look, he was sent for scans today, but the results haven't come out for it yet um, as of time of recording. But, yeah, everyone's going to be on the prowl for it. I can't imagine anyone's going to miss the news because it'll be all over social media, all over the, you know, pretty much every single page. Uh, it, judging from how Maddo's ribs were, everyone thought he was – you know, a week away from coming back, a week away from coming back. And that took a very long time because everyone knows how sore the ribs can get. It's one of the most painful parts of the body to actually injure, despite it not being that much of a severe injury. Um, so it's all about, I think this, uh, again, no one knows exactly what the injury is with Tarpany, but I'm going to assume it's a pain management thing. So he could be back next week or he could miss the rest of the season. So, you know, fingers crossed he's back next week for my team. Uh, yeah. But I'm, in a way, I'm glad he's out this week so the Dragons can get a win. <laughs> Good luck. Um, listen, we'll put a pin in that one. We'll talk about what we may or may not be doing with Tarpany a little bit later in the podcast too um, when it comes to trades. Other teams, uh, the Panthers are pretty much running to Reggie's side at the moment, you know, without their first choice halves. JFH just got suspended for a couple of games. Billy Kickhow was withdrawn um, before the game last week and still out this week, named in the extended reserve. So there's a bit of watch on how he's going to recover from his hip injury. Uh, Dylan Edwards hurt his shoulder in the game, has also been named, but they'll be sweating on his availability. And you just dropped a bomb on me before the podcast started that there has been some Taylor May rumors floating around. Yeah, so what's been said is that Taylor May uh, went to training, I believe yesterday or this morning, um, in a sling. So he's still named to start, uh, but uh, you know, the, um, thankfully it's in the first game. So just keep an eye out for those team lists from Stylesy on Twitter uh, at 24 hours before and an hour before the game because there's every chance Taylor May does drop out. Yeah, no, apparently he's rocked up in a sling. No one knows exactly what it's for. Uh, but yeah, one definitely to keep an eye on. That's going to hurt a lot of teams. Um, the Storm, they get Nick Meany back as well as Justin Olam. Hughes is obviously out, as we mentioned earlier. Um, but Cam Munster goes back to 5-8 with Meany going to fullback. And he's partnering Cooper Johns in the halves there, who was, I thought was pretty good against the Titans. Yeah, so it makes game sense of his career last week. Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a big game. He played very well. Yeah. Uh, the Warriors have had a bit of a shuffle too. Viliami Vallea is back back for the first time in many, many weeks. Um, if anybody is holding on to him, he could become a bit of an AE issue at the back end of the year. But his return moves Aiken back to second row forward. And Curran is back at lock. Um, for you know, for some reason, he was coming off the bench the last couple of weeks. But playing back at lock where he averaged 62 points per game uh, in, I, I want to say, nine games that he's played there this year. So, you know, when he's starting at lock, he is an absolute super coach gun. Yeah, I, look, this is after I remember going on the podcast last week when the Souths were going up against the Warriors, and I was saying this is the worst Warriors team that has been listed this year. I expect the Souths to absolutely thump them. I had the C on Latrell all week, and right up until Munster went on that hat trick and got updated to almost one hundred and fifty, I was like, "Oh, look, I banked the easy points. 
I've got the text messages from about 20 minutes before the game where I'm messaging people going, no, nah, I'm going with my gut, I'm going on the trail. Then about a minute before the lockout, I uh, reverted back to the loop. I don't know, it didn't work out for me uh, that game. But yeah, no, I'm glad, for Warriors' sake, I'm glad their team's gone back to normal because this is their best shot at not being embarrassed. It, it feels a little bit like they know the season's gone. Stacey Jones is just throwing shit to the wind and hope, you know, seeing what sticks. Um, didn't work last week. Wade Egan at 5'8 was a complete disaster. He's been killing it at hooker, so they've moved him back there, which makes the world of sense. Um, so it's, it seemed like it was an experimental game, and it bombed, and he's gone, right, let's go back to uh, meat and potatoes type of yeah, thing. Yeah, I think that's the way they need to go until next year when they can restructure and get new players and get rid of players. That's right. Uh, other news for the Warriors, Ronald uh, Volkman has gone for shoulder surgery. So is that pretty much his year done? He'll be put on ice for the back end of the year, would think, with not much chance of playing finals and no need to rush a, a young kid like that. Uh, we mentioned Maddo with the Eels, HIA last week, been named, but is going to be a close watch. The Broncos, this one shocked me a little bit. Tessie New got dropped um, for the returning tomorrow, Martin. So Tessie's worn the losing streak and the bad form on his shoulders and become the scapegoat for them. Um, and also Dean Mariner is out of the side with Branko Lee coming back in, which I think was always going to be the case once Lee was healthy. But yeah, the Tessie news, I didn't see that one coming. Look, I'm actually a big fan of Tessie, but his defense has been absolutely atrocious and they're trying to fight for the top four and they are essentially being embarrassed um, last week against the Roosters. I I actually had them to win last week uh, against the Roosters. And, yeah, and they, and they got almost flogged by 20 points and it, pretty convincingly. So, yeah, I think they just need Tamari Martin's voice at the back and defensive positioning, which is better than Tessie News. I think mine would be better than Tessie News at this point of stage. But, yeah, look, he's great in attack, but defensively he's just absolutely woeful. He's always on the other side of the park and uh, that causes a lot of uh, points against them. Yes, well, that would have been nice for that to continue this week as a Knights fan. Uh, but speaking of, Clemmer is back. That whole schmozzle is over. The club has conceded there was, he's done pretty much nothing wrong. Um, I don't know if an apology has been publicly aired, but I think there's one being given in uh, in the clubhouse somewhere. So Clemmer is back uh, for the Knights. Clifford is out with a broken arm. So Adam Clune comes back in for them. Uh, that's you know, either here nor there. You shouldn't be too worried about anything at the Knights. But um, I know if you have Clemmer, so they'll be sweating that one. Um, and the last ones, which will sort of lead into our next um, segment after we'll take a break shortly after this, but the Sharks, Dale Finucane is back after serving his three-game suspension. So that pushes Cam McInnes to the bench, which is a li- makes things a little bit tricky with him. Again, you've dropped another bomb on me. Sifa is rumoured doubtful. Uh, for this weekend. What's your news on that one? Yeah, look, they're, they're, I can't say there's a ton of news and I can't say exactly how rock solid it is. It's just kind of rumors around that he's having some shoulder issues. So again, that's one to turn the notifications on for Stylesy on Twitter and see what the 24-hour teamless are and the hour before teamless are. So there's every chance he's dropped or, you know, they're kind of running out of backs. They're playing Lockie Miller, who's been playing 5'8 and fullback in New South Wales Cup on the wing. Yeah, Jesus, that's uh, that's true. And he's halfback only in, in the Supercoach world. So I don't know. Where's he going to end up for 2023? Um, and the last one, the Cowboys, Cotter is back starting. He's reclaimed a prop jersey um, with Jermaine Tanua-Brown 
going back to the bench. And Jordan McLean is back in the side with Jake Granville dropping out. So that's all the team news that I've got. Is there anything else that I've missed that you're thinking of? No, not from uh, not from memory, not from looking at it. Um, Dragon's team, still not good, uh, but that's not news. Actually, I did want to ask you about that. The Dragon's team is pretty woeful, but I did notice Cody Ramsey's named on the extended bench. Is he going to come back in? And if he does, that'll shuffle a fair few names around the board. Uh, yeah, I really hope we're ending up with him at the fullback and by in the centres and Bird on the uh, edge for Maguire. And Maguire just, you know, drops back to England. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be it? ideal. <laughs> You're going a month yeah, early no, on your predictions there, mate. But yeah, no, I say as soon as I saw Cody Ramsey there or his you know potential return this week, I thought that's the way it was going to run out. Um, I figured it'd be Ramsey in Sims out and and those changes that you just mentioned, but not to be as yet. Maybe they're just waiting to make sure Ramsey gets through the the training. Yeah, look, I think it'll be a captain's run sort of call, but. Even then, uh, I wouldn't. I don't think it will change many super coach teams, so I wouldn't stress too much about it. it might just change the. Uh, I'd say we're a good chance with Ramsey at the back. Without, yeah, it could go either way. Yep, fair enough. Um, so yeah, that's all the teamless news for today. We'll go into, as I said, Cowboys, Sharks, Raiders stuff a little bit more in depth coming up. But I just had a look ahead to a couple of round twenty three potential returns. Mitch Moses with his finger. Uh, fracture, I think, uh, was originally ruled out for the entire year, but said today he's pushing for potentially round 23, round 24 return. So he could be back as early as next week. Uh, same with Campbell Graham. He's been out for a long time with a uh, fractured cheekbone, but he's looking at a return next week. And Jed Cartwright as well, who's had a couple of weeks off with a hamstring. So with if Campbell Graham does come back, yet I don't really see a spot on the side for Jed Cartwright. He was playing that right center role. But um, stranger things have happened. Cartwright might end up on a bench somewhere and uh, ruin any loop opportunities. Yeah, I can't see unless they're dropping, uh, you know, a Jackson Paulo or uh, I can't see them dropping Isaiah Tass. He's been pretty solid. Um, Jed Cartwright's going to f- struggle to find a spot on that bench for sure. So unless there's injuries, he's probably going back to New South Wales Cup. Unfortunately, yep, that you would think so. All right, what we'll do now is we'll just take a quick break and we'll come back with some start-sit options. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. (laughs) 
I don't know how Juzzy does this every week. It took me far longer to find that uh, drop than I'm actually proud to say. But it is what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so a couple of questions I had for you, Al, um, is, as we mentioned before, Finucane is back this round. So I know uh, you're a McInnes owner. I know Juss is. No, not a not a McInnes owner. Surprisingly, as a you know a former Dragons captain, and you know, I do I do love the man, but no, not a not a McInnes owner this year. Yeah, I remember I remember the conversation we had last week or the week before, saying how he was pretty much a must play when Fenukin is out. He's getting the minutes and the work rate. Uh, what do we see from him going forward with Fenukin back? Uh, well, look, yeah, I. I know we've said that before that without Fanuk and he's definitely a play, but he doesn't realistically change that much. Um, there, there's games where he's had lesser minutes in the 13 role and there's games where he's had a lot more minutes off the bench. Um, I think it's kind of the same thing every week that if you have to play him, you're, you're happy to. But if you have guys with higher upside, I'd be playing them every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's hard to argue that. But as you said, I think his minutes take a little bit of a hit. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but from what I recall, he was playing about 60 to 65 as a starter and about 55 off the bench sharing minutes with Fanukin. So Fanukin will go into the prop rotation for uh, who's there now, Brendan Hamlin-Ueli, or it used to be Reece, uh, Royce Hunt that was there. So they would rest those guys with Fanukin going in the middle and McInnes coming on. So it, I, you his minutes go down a little bit, but as you said, his work rate doesn't drop too much. So he st- should still be putting out a decent score that you can rely on at a pinch. But um, yeah, he's, he's a comfortable play. He's not a you know a happy play. I guess if we're going to compare him to another uh, second row available guy, well, it's the same boat: second row slash hooker, Ruben Cotter. As a starter, he's playing in the prop rotation. Played 39 minutes on his return game up to that to 53 last week, which is just under. I think he was playing about 63, 64 uh, before he got injured. Uh, now that he's back and he's he's playing a prop, um, McLean's on the bench. You know, Lolo is there and thereabouts. Uh, Cotter would be someone you play over McInnes, surely. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm. As soon as Cotter is in that starting team, you're playing him. Uh, he's back to playing above fifty minutes now with fifty three last week and fifty five against the Dogs. Um, I'd say he is a must play in your team every single week as long as he's starting. Yeah, that's it. As long as he's starting, we know those hamstring uh, can come back to bite us, but uh, it's hard to leave him out. He's been so good all season. Um, do you know how his inclusion would? affect Lolo and, and his involvement in the game? I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but I can have a, a quick look now. From, even just basing it off the eye test, I'd say, yeah, it does. Uh, Lolo takes less of the hit-ups. He's less impactful on the tackles, so he's normally the third man in when he's around. Um, even last, so last week, he got the exact same score as Cotter, um, played almost the exact same minutes, and his minutes did go down slightly. Um, since Cotter has been, oh, sorry, since Cotter came back in round 2021, uh, again, I feel like he's in the same boat as McInnes. He's a comfortable play. He's not a happy play. So, for example, if um, if you're out of trades and you know you've got Tarpany, Papali'i, Lolo up there, you're happily playing. You know, you're comfortably playing Lolo. But you know, if you have other options uh, and you have the ability to, you know, work some things around, you are more than you'd be more than happy to sit Lolo. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I sort of see Lolo. Well, in my team, he's my third front rower um, behind Haas and Papali'i's. And I'm happy to leave him in that role as a bit part player. Um, but here's one for you. I've got, um, we've got the concerns over CSC for Talakai. I've got Isaac Tungo as a second rower. Um, would we be playing Tomalolo or Isaac Tungo? Uh, personally, I'd be playing Tungo because this, this week, I think he's up against that kind of weak in Melbourne side, uh, that, that edge against Seve. Uh, and yeah, I just, I rate Tungo very highly and Lolo isn't firing this year as, you know, he normally would in previous years. Um, so I think you go for the upside, to be honest. I think you take that left edge um, and, and you know, he's every chance of crossing this week. No, right. I'm going to back you in and I'm going to put money on Lolo for any time try scorer. That's generally yeah, how we go probably on that the podcast. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any more major sit-start decisions that I've got. Maybe a Mulatalo. Do we risk going with him anymore or is he just a depth piece? Uh, look, if you, if you have the depth, um, then yeah, he, he can sit in the back burner and play, you know, um, he, he's not a necessary start every single week, unless you're in a position like I am where he's one of your 17 that's actually playing. But I think this week, if you've got other players, I'd be playing Molotalo against that Tigers side. They, uh, yeah, they, they struggle in the edges and, and as much as Wade Graham doesn't like to give the ball out to the Molotalo's surely due. Surely, you'd hope so. But yeah. the, he, he scored a try um, maybe not last week, the week before, and still only had like a 37 or something like that. So as we've alluded to over the last couple of weeks, he's just not getting as much ball or as much work that he was previously getting. Um, he's, he'd be a guy I'd be okay playing if I had to, but as you said before, if there's other options, uh, I'd, I'd be leaning away from him if I could have avoided it. But yeah, I mean, you can't. If, if he's in your side, you can't do it. No, but I'm not, again, yeah, he's been a bit shocking the last few weeks. Uh, that's pretty obvious. But uh, he, the Sharks just have such a good run home, which we'll touch on soon. But yeah, the Tigers this week, then Manly, Dogs, Newcastle. There, there's points to be had there, and I've just got to hope that Molotalo's on the end of it. But I feel like there are points on offer there for sure. So I'm, I'm pretty happy to play him each week and just hope for it. All right. Well, let's sort of shift our thinking a little bit to more of a, a sit trade out decision what are we doing with joe tarpany are you a, a owner you've had him since I, round 12 or something haven't you yeah and no, i got him in round 13 for the first buy um which was you know debatably my buy of the year because that's uh, before that he hadn't had a score above you know seven he had one score above 73 and then from there he's had one below and that was last week when he went off injured yeah, he's got gangbusters, and I hate every <laughs> minute of it. Um, so. I think it depends on your third front rower. Like most people will have a Max King or Lolo, um, someone like that. And I think just until we find out further news on Tarpany, um, he, uh, you know, you, you plug in those players. Like m- myself, I'm playing Max King this week. Pretty happy to, to cop his 50 um, just to plug that hole. And if we find out Tarpany's out for long term, um, Look, even then, I think you just hold him and uh, see what other kind of problems pop up in the team. There's no other front row forwards that are that much better than a player like Max King or Lolo who's going to pump out those 50-55s each week on minimum. Um, it, you know, trades at the end of this year are more valuable than the start of the year. They're worth hundreds and hundreds of points. So I would probably say to hold Tarpany, um, you know, depending on how many trades you have. If you've got five plus, go for gold. If you've got less than five... 
I'd probably say hold for the time being. Yeah, I was just going to ask the exact question. If you had a handful of trades, would you you know, push him out of the side and then aim to get him back if he does return? But you sort of answered that one. Uh, I noticed the most popular trade this week uh, so far is is um, Tarpany out for Cam Murray. I think you know, 4,000, 5,000 people have made that trade. Uh, it seems a little reactionary based on injury and just what the Rabbitohs did to the Warriors was ridiculous. I don't think Ken Murray's ever had that sort of attacking game in his life, but he went huge. Um, I don't know that he backs that up again this week against the Eels, um, but it seems it's it's a decent trade. Uh, I don't think you're losing too much unless Tarpany comes back and starts braining it again, which I think you probably traded down a little bit. Yeah, you can't ever go against the Cam Murray trade. He's good against any opposition. He's good in any week. Um, He's just a a, you know such a consistent, such a consistently good footballer and such a consistently good super coach scorer. Yeah, I think a lot of those people trading wouldn't have that many trades left, and they're just kind of chasing those points. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't be trading out Tarpany unless I'm playing, you know, a, a pole or something like that. Or, you know, another kind of dud front rower in that second spot. Uh, or, you know, if you do have the ability to possibly trade him out to a center wing or second rower, even a fullback that you don't possibly don't have. Like if you're missing out on a Teddy or Luttrell, um, you know, Valentine Holmes, someone like that, you can plug him in. Yeah, maybe you do go out tapping through the jewels, but I'm, I'm assuming most people would have to trade him out for a front rower. Uh, yeah, in that case, I'd probably just play that, that you know, second fiddle, Max King, Lolo. Yeah, hard to argue with that one. As you said, trades are absolutely at a premium at the moment. You've got one. I've got two. Um, I don't have the Tapane issue, but if I did, I would be very much in the hold boat as well. I don't know how many of these people are still making all these trades. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> do, 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 your Hughes, Jerome Hughes, I presume you're just going to hold and, and hope for the same with him, his uh, shoulder injury doesn't seem as bad as it first looked when he was taken off the field. So he could be back in a week or so. Yeah, no, definitely just hold. Um, only reason I would need to trade him out is if somehow Nico Hines goes down for a while. Even then, Nico's probably the way to go if he's out for the season. Yeah, other than that, Hughes is uh, staying in the team indefinitely. Yep, fair enough. All right, well, I don't have any other major concerns as far as sit-starts go or potential trade-outs. Um, anyone else you're thinking of? Oh, just having a quick look through the, the most traded-out players of the round, um, and there are a couple that still surprise me. So the Isaac Tungo one, I, I've I've been on him since the start of the year to never – like he is a hold for the season for me. I've said that from the start. And at this point of the year, trading out a playing player just seems – bizarre like yeah. this is probably the time we want the most depth because uh, in the in the last few weeks you know even just last week alone Tarpany and Hughes Tarpany one of the most owned players and one of the you know best performing players in the in the comp and Hughes was the number one traded in player last week so it's so easy that things can flip uh, I thought I'd be going into this week with you know 19 20 players but I'm scraping through um yeah playing out a uh, trading out players that are active and you know are going to play and who have the potential to score well even just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I'm looking down that list as we speak too. Uh, Numbers three through six are all Panthers. 
Billy Kickout, Tungo, Taylor Mate, Nathan Cleary. Cleary can definitely go um, if you've still got him. That's sort of a no-brainer because he's not coming back. The other guys, you, know, you said the rumours on Taylor May, Billy Kickout is in the extended reserves. They play the first game of the round. Uh, you can hold fire on that. And if they don't make it back, maybe make the trade there for a couple extra points. But... Yeah, as you said, Isaac Tungo, plenty of people will be in the same boat as you, mate. They'll be absolutely scraping the bottom of the barrel of their 25 to get a, a run on side. So I don't um, really see Tungo as an urgent trade out. Yeah, uh, I mean, even the same with Talakai. I know Talakai has not been performing well. I traded him out a few weeks ago. Uh, but at this stage, he's playing and the Sharks have a very good run home. So I, if you're holding him now, probably wouldn't be flicking. Yeah, what's uh, on the other side of the coin? The most one of the most traded in, um, Daly Cherry Evans, and he's had a couple of really down games over the last few weeks. Uh, are you still relatively high on him? Look, if you still have Cleary, um, and you know if you're running a Heinz Cleary combo, yeah, probably Cherry Evans is the best prospect at the moment to bring in. But he is sitting on a three round average of about thirty six, yeah. uh, and. You know, Roosters, they still conceded, what, 10 points to them. Parramatta uh, conceded 20 points to Manly. Dragons thumped them. Great win. Uh, but, yeah, 36 over three games. It's just his form's dropped off a cliff considering he was on back-to-back tons before that. Now, they don't have a, a horrible run home. They do have a, a decent game this week in the yeah, Gold Coast. They are playing then the they... Titans this week, so it could be anything. Maybe that's yeah. the appeal. That's, that's, I think, he, he without Hughes, he is the best option. Um, but and if you, do, I, I wouldn't be going Hughes to him unless you're, you know, out of uh, unless you have fifteen, sixteen players. Yeah, the Hughes to, to Cherry Evans doesn't make sense to me. I would be sitting tight on it, and uh, yeah, I'd only possibly be going Cleary to him. Yeah, fair enough. With that in mind, and you mentioned uh, his relatively okay run home. Let's look at their strength as schedule over the next couple of weeks. Um, I had ran my eye over it the, this afternoon and came up with a, a very short list. But to my thought process, in my opinion, it seems the teams with the best super coach players in it, the Souths, the you know, Roosters, Penrith, Cowboys, Melbourne, they're all playing each other over the last three or four weeks. And, and the guys with the teams with not much options, Titans, Dragons, Raiders, uh, they're the ones with the better draws. Yeah, look, I th- there are a lot of different um, things that go into it now. I don't, I definitely Melbourne and Penrith aren't the same team as they were 10 weeks ago. Uh, I don't know if I'd consider them the toughest games considering Titans still put almost 80 or 20 points on Melbourne last week in Melbourne, which is just, you know, that would have been unheard of to anyone. Uh, but, yeah, it's just that it's annoying that they are kind of all playing each other. But I, at this point in time, are there any really tough matchups where players, uh, you like where you're scared to play players? Because for myself, I the only real team that I'd be scared to play my players against in an attacking wise would be probably the Cowboys or Penrith at home. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. I just say the. The South's draw, I know people, we just spoke about it, people are trading in for Cam Murray. Uh, Latrell's a very popular buyer after his 150-point game. Damian Cook was massive again. He had a 94. But they've got the Eels this week, uh, followed by Penrith, um, then the Cowboys and the Roosters to finish it off, which 
on paper and the way those teams are going, that's a very difficult draw. Um, but as you said, Penrith's not the same team. Cowboys are ridiculous at the moment. They're just shutting down everyone. And the Roosters seem to be finding some form. So I don't know what to make of that South draw uh, and why people are really jumping on board, those guys. Yeah, this is one that I, a lot of people are talking about the Roosters and how well they've been performing, but... They have been attacking brilliantly. They've been probably the best attacking team in the comp for the last, you know, maybe six, five, four or five rounds. But they have not conceded less than 10 points since, I think, round four, round three, something ridiculous like that. They still concede points. They conceded 26 points in a row from round 14 to 18. And then they even conceded, like, in their big wins, they're still conceding, you know, over 12, 16 points. So I still think there's points to be made. Like they, for the South's run, those are hard NRL-wise and ladder-wise. But for Supercoach, I still think there's points on offer. Yeah, fair enough. Any team that you're targeting for, you know, if, if you had the trades up your sleeve, I know you don't, but any any teams that you'd be particularly targeting for some easy matchups on the run home? Yeah, look, definitely the Sharks. They have far and away the best run home. Uh, they have... Uh, Tigers this week, Manly next week, then the Dogs and Newcastle. So that, that like I said before, that's why I'm happy to play Molotalo every week. I'm not thinking twice about it, even if I had other people there. I'm pretty happy to play him. As well as that, Canberra surprisingly have a good run. So Jamal Fogarty possibly pops up in the minds of people who have Cleary still. That's a very, very pot option. Um, no real Canberra attackers, though, um, spark much interest. Their Titans as well with Manly Dragons, Newcastle, and I think Warriors are their last game. Yeah, um, yeah, they, they've got a good run as well, but again, no options. So it's like you said, they all the hard teams. Oh, sorry, oh, yeah, all the good teams, super coach wise and NRL wise, are all <laughs> have a tough run home. Whereas all yeah. the uh, you know less interesting super coach teams are all having a pretty decent run. Yeah, the only one I like, I'm a David Fafita owner. Um, I'm not happy about it. He's not doing very well at the moment. The only other guy I would potentially consider from the side would be uh, AJ Brimson. He's got that real attacking flair about him, but he's not been um, breaking any records over the the last couple of months. And I don't know how he goes. Uh, no, and I believe he's they're, back they're to five eighth as well. He is. He is. Yeah, Jaden Campbell's playing fullback for them there. So yeah, and that just spells yeah. trouble. That's right. And again, no one from your Dragons who are playing the Raiders, Titans, um, Tigers, and then finish off with the Broncos. So it's just not really worthwhile grabbing people from those sides. Yeah, uh, I, I think for a majority of people, they shouldn't be looking at the draws. Um, just look at averages and, you know, where your team's weakened and where you can step it up. It's at this point of the year, I, I think the. It sounds a bit weird to say, but the draw is a bit null and void because teams are still capable of putting big scores on anyone, especially with all the injuries and reshuffles and lineups with the top teams. Yeah, no, I I agree. I do agree. I think where the draw would possibly come into play is if I was maybe grabbing a center wing or a fullback, someone of these high um, attacking um, reliant guys and I was torn between two options um, potentially the draw would come into play there but at this stage of the season we've pretty much topped out our teams we've got um, you know 20 guns across the park and they score pretty well against any side um, regardless of the opposition so it's just uh, I guess maybe these things are more sit start uh, helpers as well um, for guys that you need to play in your center wings or something like that 
Yeah, look, even with speaking of just uh, the draws when it comes to deciding to one player, another player, I would look at the positional draw. So, you know, sites like nrlsupercoachstats.com, they have um, different, you know, things you can look at and the strength of schedule per position. So, you know, for example, Valentine Holmes this week going up against the Roosters, you'd think is an obvious play. Roosters can concede points. They are playing well, but, you know, Cowboys are the Cowboys. Um, but they actually concede the, the, the best defensive team to left centers. So, you know, there is there are cases where you can play someone over Holmes, uh, which sounds a bit crazy, but, yeah, it's all. I think looking at the strength of schedule for the positions um, themselves rather than the teams is way more valuable than just looking at the teams. Yeah, that's a good point. And this is a good opportunity to shout out our friends at Three Wise Draft Men who do drop our um, average points to position. Um, pod, excuse me. <coughs> They, they drop some tweets on a weekly basis about how teams are averaging against their opposing um, positions. So by all means, go and check that out. They do great work over there. Excuse me. Um, we've got a couple of questions coming in on the socials uh, that I thought I'd throw at you, Alex. I've got one here from uh, Tim Salter who's said to us with five trades left, he's in the top 2K overall, and he's got the week off in his head-to-head comps. Give me your guy for one-week punt out of Cobo, Stags, Mulatalu, Manu, or Burton. Oh, Jesus, there's so much information there, but so much uh, information missing. Now, when I look at that, I think of who they would be replacing and in, in the point difference between the player going out and the player coming in. Like if you're trading, I think a lot of people last week or the week before were thinking of Dylan Brown to Burton, but the point difference wasn't there for me. Whereas if you're trading out, uh, you know, Taylor May or something like that for a, a, a Molotalo, Manu, Cobo, who can average a lot more than uh, him in the run home, then that's more valuable despite that specific player not being as valuable. Um, if you're trading out a, a complete enough and you've just got a million dollars in the bank, Manu's definitely Manu or Burton are the way to go. 100. percent They are the clear, clear guns. Yeah, the the way I look at this is if I'm in a head-to-head comp, and it sounds like like it could be a cash comp or something like that. If I'm facing any one of these guys, who scares me the most? Uh, and that's Joey Manu this year. He's just been incredible all season he had a down week last week but um teddy was a bit ball dominant whether that continues or not manu still got plenty of hands on it just didn't seem to be doing too much with it so i think if i was lining up across from any one of these guys uh, manu would want, be the one that scares me the most and uh, so that's the one i'd be targeting to get in my side yeah uh, absolutely i absolutely agree with that um, you had a couple off uh, Instagram as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I've got a couple online. I, every time we do the podcast, um, I'll put up a thing on Instagram and feel free to go give it a follow and ask as many questions as you want on there. I'm pretty active, so even a message or commenting on the post, I'll generally be around to respond and give you a bit of the time of the day. Um, yeah, a couple on here. So the last trade uh, for Kiwi Trent 86 was either Cleary to Burton or McInnes to Cam Murray. Did you want to have a crack at that one? Uh, again, it, it depends who, what you're sitting to make this work. But the clear, to me, Cleary to Burton uh, gives you the biggest boost. Um, obviously, having 700K sitting on your bench, he's not going to be scoring anything at all. So if you bring Burton in, he's going to put up probably a 65, 70 average. Whereas McInnes... 
as we spoke earlier, he may be averaging around 55. Um, you're probably only gaining 15, 10, 15 points by going up to Cam Murray across the back end of the year. So you could probably cover... Uh, it depends who you're replacing in your 17, but Burton would more than cover the difference from McInnes up to Murray, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And as well as adding that extra bit of depth for anyone that goes out and you can, you know, chuck McInnes in as a, a late play, um, that's so much more valuable than just having Cam Murray. So, no, I think Cleary to Burton is the clear option there. Um, and the second question I've got is the best three second rowers to end the season with. Oh, that one's a tough one. Yeah, it's there's so many, tough so many good second rowers out there. Yeah, there's so many good second rowers who are underperforming and there's so many sort of uh, underrated second rowers that are killing it. The one that yeah, comes absolutely. to my mind is Sean Lane. I think if I had my time again, I'd be grabbing him. He's been absolutely phenomenal this season. He's, he's setting up tries. He's linking well with Dylan Brown. He's in everything that the Eels are doing. I think he had two try assists last week, running on that left edge for 104 points. Um, he had an 83 against Penrith the week before and 91 against the Broncos before that. So absolutely been braining it all season, especially at the back end of the year. Um, and as you mentioned, um, you know, they got South this week, which is a bit of a tougher one on paper than Dogs, Broncos, Melbourne, who, who, who aren't performing to their potential. So I think it's a really good run home for him. So Sean Lane would be up there in my top three for the run home, I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a Sean Lane owner. I've had him for quite a while and I definitely agree, but it's pretty crazy to think. I always thought of Sean Lane as a player that wasn't that great but could nab the odd try, but he actually hasn't scored a try since round seven. And uh, since about round 11 onwards, he has only had you know two scores below 60 and none with tries. That just kind of blew my mind. Um, so, no, I'd definitely have Sean Lane in my top three. He's my most expensive second rower, and uh, yeah, very happy with him. Um, one I'd definitely have up there who I don't own, unfortunately, is Cam Murray. Uh, obviously, Cam Murray is Mr. Consistent, a five-round average of almost 85. That includes that 130 last game. Yeah, just a, you know, he, he's debatably one of the most consistent people in the whole comp. And, well, you know he's a safe, you know, 70 every single week. Yeah, that's exactly right. I guess it depends on what you want. Do you want consistency um, across the boards? Are you getting your 60s and 70s each and every week? Could Then you're looking at guys like Angus Crichton, Cam Murray. Um, you could even potentially go a, a Joe Offengawi in, in that position. He's that dual flexibility. So you could pair him with one of your uh, Isaiah Papalese or, or something like that. So those guys would be knocking out very consistent scores. Or do you want a boom bus guy who's going to put up some monster weeks but has the potential to go a bit lower? I'm looking at Jeremiah Nanai who just had a one, what was it, 156 or something two weeks ago, yeah. followed by a 36 last week because he didn't cross the line. So really boom bus potential there. Sean Lane's sort of in that boat. Uh, Ola Kawatu for Manly, he's a bit like that. He's been a bit low the last couple of weeks, but um, has been huge all season. So, I mean, Yeah, that's actually who I was going to mention as my third second rower, um, Ola Kawatu. I've had him since round three, and he has been just incredible for me this year. I'm, besides the last few weeks and the sitting out of the game, yeah, he, he's just been so, so consistent this year. Um, yeah, I'd probably have him as my third second rower. Yeah, that's a... I'm a big Olaquatu fan. I've had him most of the year. Um, I got rid of him during Pride round for that reason. But 
Yeah, he's he's a, someone I'm a big fan of in the super coach world. I guess the other one for me worth considering is Keon Kolomatangi. He's really come on in spades the last couple of weeks with some big, big scores. Uh, playing very well on the right edge for the Bunnies. So it's one of those things. You can throw a, a blanket over a, a bunch of these guys or you know throw a dart and hit any one of them and be pretty happy. All right, so say uh, this week you have to trade a second rower out and Jeremiah Nanai, Keon Klamatungi, and Ruben Cotter are all the same price. Who would you be going? Oh, Jesus. That's, you're killing me, man. Um, I think Jeremiah Nanai, just for the upside. Um, it's that point of the season where getting a 55, 60-point player Week in, week out, like a Ruben Cotter. Uh, it's not going to help me climb the ranks at all. Uh, Colin Matangi still has a bit of boom bust about him, but he doesn't have the ceiling of a Jeremiah Nanai. Um, you know, Nanai just ridiculous in the air, ridiculous hands, runs in a, a, an aggressive and a potent, like a very strong line, um, and playing with some good guys in. in um, uh, drink water who are setting him up pretty well. So I think he's got the highest ceiling and I'd be hoping he knocks a few of those out on the way home. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. And I, I probably agree with that as well. Um, Ruben Cotter's probably a close second just because he'll get that consistent 65 every single week with potential for more. But yeah, no, I think Nano would probably be the way they go out of them. Yep, hard to disagree on that one. So hopefully we've answered a couple of your questions. Last couple for me, mate, is how many... Tr- Trades. You said you've got one trade left. Uh, um, you holding that, just hoping no injuries. Yeah, I think I'll be holding this week, um, unless there's any laid outs, and I, I start to get a bit of the itch to trade. Um, but no, I, I'll do everything in my possible power to hold this week. And last but not least uh, is the captains that we always go through at the end of the round. We've got a bit of a weird weekend where a couple of strong teams are playing each other, as we spoke about before. First game off the cards, Panthers versus Storm should be an absolute belter uh, on paper, but it just depends on who is running out for each side. Is there any one particular game or person you're targeting for your captains and vice-captains this weekend? Yeah, look, there's a couple um, for my team. I do find this round really kind of tricky for captaincies and vice-captains. The way my team's set up, I pretty much have a clear two with a possibility of a pod. Uh, but it's going through a game by game. That that first one, Panther Storm, doesn't interest me at all. Um, Storm players are only really captaincy worthy if they're at home. Um, I'm not really comfortable captaining any of them away from home. And Panthers are the only real captaincy option would be uh, Cleary, and he's he's obviously not there. Um, one VC option that's not in my team that I'm a bit worried about is Matty Burton against the Warriors. Despite it being in Mount Smart, um, I still think he's a pretty solid VC option. Um, Latrell's been the form player of the comp. So I'd say he's de- he's my VC this week against the Eels because the Eels can still you know, bring in a lot of points. And uh, Latrell seems like he, he's in that run of form. He can do that against anybody. So, yeah, I'm pretty pretty confidently playing him in my VC. Um, Roosters Cowboys, not interested in anyone there. Teddy, Manu, uh, not that keen on VCing or seeing them. Um, my captain this week will most likely be Hines versus the Tigers, and I would assume he'll be the most captained player um, just for that consistent score, and, and I think he's got a decent ceiling on him. Um, and then my pod captaincy this week, uh, I don't think I'd go it depending on head-to-head, but it would be Ruben Garrick with the Titans. 
Yeah, I love that call. Um, I'm a bit the same. Uh, I, I was really targeting Ruben Garrick, I think, um, considering what Cam Munster's just done to the Titans from fullback. Um, Garrick, I don't think, has that uh, explosive explosion in him that um, Munster just put on, but he definitely has the potential to go large against such a weakened side um, up here on the coast. So, and with goal kicking, it seems, I, I think it's a game that Manly bounced back and they put a, a bit of a run on and a bit of points on the board. So I think Garrick's in for a very big one. And I like the look at that. As you said, I, I'll probably back you with the Latrell VC as well. Um, Garrick did just put 74 on the eels in a losing effort. Um, but I think the bunnies are a little bit better form than that, and everything's going through Latrell. So do like those calls, and uh, and the Burton one. I cannot agree with you more. That is um, someone I don't own, and I'm very worried about this weekend. I think he's going to go massive. Yeah, it's definitely a worry for um, for non-owners. I'm in that boat as well. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, concerned about that, and he's just been incredible the last few weeks. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that's that's one I definitely would consider if I was an owner. Um yeah, it's just I, I think the one really important thing to take into consideration is your head-to-heads because this week everyone's going to be playing a lot less head-to-heads than what you're used to rather than, you know, up to 10 that you'd normally play in a regular season and first round of the uh, finals. Um, this week would be the semi-final, so a lot of teams will only have maybe one to three, four head-to-heads. Like I myself only have the one, so I'll be looking pretty closely at what my opponent's doing and, and what games they're playing and how their team's set up and who they can captain, who they can loop, etc. So I'd probably advise to have a look, good look at your opponent's team, see what they're doing. And if you're in a position to beat them, um, maybe run the same captain or if you do need to you know, get out there a little bit, maybe a, a Cherry Evans-Garrick to finish the week off. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely taking into your opponent's team be a big one. Yep, absolutely. It's a good little cheat we can have. Um, once the first game kicks off, you can finally see what your opponent is doing if they've put all their um, their pieces on the board ahead of time. So it, it could give you a little bit of a leg up looking ahead that way. Um, I think that's all we've got for uh, this round 22 pod, mate. Thank you very much for jumping in and helping me out with this in Jazzy's absence. Always a pleasure talking to you and picking your brain on everything Supercoach. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I'm always happy to jump on and fill in the gaps where needed. This one was a pretty easy one to fill from the looks of things. (laughs) Very keen for uh, the run home. Yeah, sounds good, mate. We'll have to catch up soon and have one of those beers that we're always talking about. Yeah, All absolutely. Right, everyone, good luck for the rest of the uh, for the weekend ahead and the rest of the season. Uh, I'll be talking to you again most likely next week, and I'm sure we'll have Alex on board once more or before the end of the year's on. Thanks, guys. I hate it. I hate that doing this. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.